Quiz the Election, the podcast, is your shortcut to the federal election. Each week, we'll give you the talking points on the policy, the politics, the gaffes and why it all matters. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Welcome to the third of five pop-up podcasts to mark the end of each week of the federal election campaign. I am joined by my co-host on the Squeeze Today podcast, Claire Kimball, and Greg Baxter, a media and public affairs pro who's helping us pull together the Squeeze the Election email during the campaign. Morning, team. How are your, your energy levels first week without a public holiday? That was hard. I don't know. <laughs> I think bring on the four-day week if we can possibly do that. That was hard. No, no, no. Uh, it, it, look, it's good. I'm, I'm actually, my energy levels are going up as the campaign goes on. Oh, Greg. Wow. He's into it. He's into it. <laughs> in the podcast today, we'll talk through some of the major policy announcements from the week. We'll check in with what some of the minor parties have been up to. We'll get you across pre-polling. And as is a staple of the Squeeze the Election podcast, we'll know just how much attention Greg and Claire have paid to the lighter aspects of the campaign with a game of who said it. Bill Shorten went hard early in the week and he announced some expensive policies, Claire. Firstly, he committed to invest $2.4 billion in seniors' dental care. But let's have a look at his $4 billion childcare policy. What that $4 billion would go on in childcare is reducing uh, the fees that uh, particularly middle and low income earning parents would pay for formal childcare. There's also uh, a batch of um, families who are on the lower income earning scale who would pay nothing for formal childcare. But the thing that really set the hairs racing uh, was also a commitment from Bill Shorten and Labor to increase the salaries of childcare workers by 20%. And what that meant was uh, plenty of people, particularly from the coalition, interjected to say, well, the government um, paying the wages of workers in quite often private sectors is something that's certainly very different in our economy. And by the way, there's also, uh, you know, aged care workers and and plenty of others who don't earn uh, enough when it comes to the sort of roles that they undertake and would Labor also interject in those markets. And that's a promise um, that some have costed at about $10 billion. So, yeah, it was certainly a very expensive week. Weekend for Labor. To the coalition, Scott Morrison's been jetting around the country. He's made some smaller announcements, for example, freezing our migration numbers, and particularly in Perth, announcing $1 billion for shipbuilding contracts. He's really been keeping the focus on jobs and the economy, but Greg, he also did a lot of talking about Bill Shorten's climate change costings. He did. In fact, away from the uh, away from the, the gaffes and the scandals and the recriminations through the week, the climate change policy became the big story uh, this week. Uh, There were new modelling came out uh, which suggested that Labor's policy would cost anywhere between $264 and about $546 billion, although one estimate I saw in one media report suggested that it could be over a trillion dollars. And it seems unlikely we will get an answer on that. Look, I, I don't think I don't think we will. And the Financial Review, among a number of uh, media outlets this week, reported that um, some industry experts believe that uh, it's impossible to cost it, and anybody who tries to cost it will simply be guessing. Do either of you want to have a crack at just explaining 
the Liberal Party's climate change policy and the Labor Party's climate change policy in simple terms. <laughs> okay. So I'll have a quick crack and, Greg, you can mop me up. But, um, look, very quickly, the main focus of it comes down to the emissions reduction target. There's all sorts of things off the side of climate change policies around funds for renewable energy and all sorts of other bits and pieces to support a more efficient economy when it comes to uh, carbon emissions. But the main crux of it is this target and also our commitment to the Paris Climate Agreement. Uh, Labor wants to go beyond what the coalition has stated would get us to our Paris targets uh, by committing uh, carbon emissions reductions of 45% uh, by the year 2030. What the coalition has committed to is 26 to 28%. They say that that's what's required to meet our our Paris commitments. So, uh, All that means is that there's a lot of cost to the economy. Someone has to pay for all of this new technology, new ways of doing things, or at least buying credits from other countries that are saving carbon uh, so that we meet those commitments. That was a pretty good job. Greg, what do you reckon? I I, I liked it. (laughs) Good job, team. This obviously came up a lot in the uh, Warringah debate, which was between Tony Abbott and Zali Stegall. It's a key feature of the battle for Warringah. And while we're on debates, of course, we had the first leaders debate that was hosted by Channel 7 on Monday night. Uh, If you want to get across that, have a look at the archive versions of Ask Quiz the Election email. The link's in your episode notes. It's set to become old news, though, as the leaders are meeting again tonight in the Sky News People's Forum that's being held in Brisbane. Bill Shorten and Scott Morrison will take questions from 100 undecided voters. If you want to watch it, 6.30pm, Sky News, which is on Foxtel. And uh, if you live regionally, you can watch it on Win. Greg, let's have a look at the Greens now, though. Richard Di Natale was at the press club this week. What did he have to say? He was, um, not surprisingly, very focused on climate change. He doesn't think the Labor policy goes anywhere near far enough. What do they want? Well, they would like to see um, a much faster abatement of carbon, essentially. You know, we would get to a we would get to zero emissions much quicker than either Labor or the Coalition. So he, he spoke about that in some detail. He made it very clear that they want to work with Labor uh, if it's elected, and, and he was very blunt about hoping, he said that he hoped that Bill Shorten becomes Prime Minister. But look, aside from climate change, he was um, he had a whole shopping list of things. He was proposing 500,000 new houses for low-income earners, a $75 a week increase to the New Start allowance, a new national anti-corruption body, a much lower cost if not free education right across schools, TAFEs and universities, an overhaul of the tax system. So it's, I guess it's, it's, not, it's not as hard to have a long list of things you want to get done if you know you're not going to be, have a majority You're not going to be actually, yeah, yeah. that's right, exactly. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, Claire, in behind the campaign curtain section of the email, you took us through the famed Wombat Trail, a nickname for the Nationals campaign. So I ask, what has the Nats leader and Deputy PM Michael McCormack been up to on the Wombat Trail? Well, he actually had a, an appearance at the National Press Club too. He and did. He did. 
announced there that there would be a new statutory authority called the National Water Grid, which would somehow um, sort of mimic, I guess, the electricity grid where there's a network and someone monitoring exactly how our water system's working right across the board. And that, of course, would have some funding as, as well for water infrastructure and things like dams. Um, the issue of dams come up quite a bit, of course, in a drought when when we become very dry and people start worrying about why we don't have more water capacity. And as far as the other minor parties, there's still a lot around about Clive Palmer. We covered that quite a bit in last week's podcast and, and throughout the email this week. As far as this week goes, though, Greg, the headlines really belong to One Nation. Look, I was thinking about oh. the week that Pauline Hanson's had. Um, hor- horrible, atrocious, shocking. And, of course, what you're referring to is the spectacular resignation of her One Nation Senate candidate in Queensland, Steve Dixon. Dixon was, was uh, filmed in a strip club in the United States as part of that now infamous trip that he took to try and raise some funds from the National Rifle Association. Uh, this footage was uh, filmed by Al Jazeera as part of that same uh, exercise, but only came to light earlier this week on a current affair. And he resigned uh, that night. And then Pauline conducted her own uh, very sort of tearful interview with Tracy Grimshaw the next night. Um, as she pointed out in that interview, um, over the course of One Nation's history, she's had people like Fraser Anning and Brian Burston and um, Malcolm Roberts and David Oldfield, um, you name them, she's picked them, and now um, Steve Dixon. So, look, they're in a lot of trouble. Um, how much her interview on uh, on a current affair will rally her core support base or, or how much it will... it will um, Deter people from voting for them. Y- yeah, d- deter the sort of perhaps the broader support that she needs in order to have any influence in either the upper or the lower house. We will see. Claire, we've also had three Liberal candidates resign due to anti-Muslim and homophobic comments made on social media. We've had a Labor Senate candidate resign for anti-Semitic views. And as we pull the podcast together, we've got the Labor candidate for Melbourne stepping down as well for sharing rape jokes and making offensive remarks about women. Where I'm heading is that not only is this been a massive distraction this week, but also questions are being asked about the party's vetting process for endorsing candidates. This is uh, this is the question: Why aren't when a party is looking to put their endorsement on a candidate, even though, by the way, none of these seats are, are particularly important in terms of no. uh, the candidates who have been dumped were probably not in positions to win. So, but. As you can see, the pain that goes into uh, how it can take your campaign off track uh, because you haven't done the proper vetting and haven't found this information is quite extraordinary. So it does matter and it does add up. But can I just say, um, on on Radio National this morning, Michelle Grattan said social media is not the problem. The, pro- <laughs> the problem is that these people hold these Absolutely views in the right. first place. Yeah. Very good point. Let's move on. I'm sure we could talk about this all day, but uh, let's talk about pre-polling. On Monday, pre-polling stations opened, so everyone can technically go and vote right now. Thousands have already have already done so, hundreds of thousands, in fact, Greg. Look, I think uh, as of this morning, something close to half a million people uh, have voted already. That's amazing. It is amazing. And 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 the target, I think in 2016, about 30% of voters had voted before Election Day and it's tracking to be more around 40% or above that 
this time, which is interesting in the sense that it tells you that those people are quite happy to make up their mind, obviously, and and make a decision. Uh, so you'd have to assume, you know, it follows that they're not going to pay any attention to the rest of the campaign, even if they've paid any attention up to this point. And, you know, not, not everyone thinks that's a great idea that, you know, the part of the value of the democracy is that we're all making a, a, a decision on the same day. With the same information. Yeah. I quite like the line up and get the sausage and be part of democracy. <laughs> what a nerd. I, I, I'm, I really hate queuing. So I know my polling booth that has a good sausage and has no queues. So I've <laughs> I've got the nirvana of voting sorted out. Would you like to share that, the location of that <laughs> polling booth with the rest not. of the country? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's my little secret. Moving on to the section of the podcast we call Who Said It? This is where I'll read out a quote from the week and Claire and Greg need to tell me who said it in the context in which it was said. They have no idea what I'm about to throw at them. <sighs> feel like I should probably sing this one, but I won't. I've got, I got my buzzers sorted out. I'm, <laughs> oh, you've got a buzzer, I, okay. I've, yeah, I've been poor on the buzzer in the first two weeks, so I'm, I've, I've been practising and I'm ready to go. Oh, I think this one will be a race to the buzzer. This is an easy one. I got us a share, man. I got us a share. Delivered everywhere, man. <laughs> I got us a share. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you need to do a bit more work on that buzzer, Claire. I think it's a good one. I'll accept it. <laughs> George Christensen, in his latest campaign exploit of getting attention, uh, he featured uh, also on that clip a bit of his previous hit from uh, a mimic of single ladies, which really is something to behold. Yeah, if you haven't seen that campaign advertisement, it is worth a look. It's quite special. Chris, George Christensen is the, the LNP member for, for Dawson. All right, ready? I've got $4,000 million. I've got $500 million in the bank today. <laughs> Greg. Uh, that's um, Clive Palmer. It is. Just talking about how much money he has. I, I love the follow-up and I don't care what you think or anyone else thinks. Well, that's been, that's been obvious to a lot of us for a long time. Wow, yeah. Let's move on. But if you had a friend who was perhaps on the large side, the chubby side, and they had 10 Big Macs a day, there's – there's a cost to not eating the Big Macs. <laughs> Claire, take it away, Claire. <laughs> that was Bill Shorten on commercial FM radio, the, you know, difficult spot for all politicians to cut through and talk to the hip young people, uh, explaining why acting on climate change is an important thing to do. I still don't quite get the analogy, but... You know, people can go and have a look and see if they, they understand it themselves. I'm not going to. I could explain it, but, like, let's just go with it. Bill Shorten talking about Big Macs. I don't, I don't think he's going to – yeah, I don't think he's going to be pulling it out again in this campaign. <laughs> I think that's right. Last one. Fantastic. Great move. Well done, Angus. This this one went international. It was so good. It even got picked up overseas. This is Angus Taylor, the energy minister on Facebook, uh, a post about a local train station getting some more car parks in his electorate. Uh, He put a post and a video up and then in the comments section there's a comment from Angus Taylor, energy minister, saying congratulations. Congratulations, Angus. So, yeah, it didn't look good. Yeah, just logged into the wrong account.
account, I think, and really blew it. Oh, it's been a funny week. There'll be plenty more of that. We've got a couple more weeks to go. Thank you for tuning in to Squiz the Election, the podcast. If you found it useful, sign up to our daily email, Squiz the Election, the email. It comes out Sunday to Thursday at 5.30pm. A link to subscribe is in your episode notes. We'll be back next Friday with our fourth edition of this pop-up podcast. Uh, If you've enjoyed it, please tell people, share it. Um, Thanks, Claire and Greg. Good luck for next week. Thank you. Thank you. Let's bring it. Have a great week, everyone. Chat soon. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.